Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode 16 with Charlie Hartwell. Charlie is the operating partner of Bridge Builders Collaborative, is a co-creator of Global Movements, and is a keynote speaker. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Charlie. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, episode 16 of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Charlie Hartwell. Charlie, time is a finite resource. Underline everything that you do across your life, your investments, your global movements, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? Why I do what I do is because I love it, because I can see that I'm creating impact and change and that I'm using my talents to the best of my abilities and I do it because I do the work that I do because it really matches who I am. Fantastic. And as part of this journey, uh, you've, you've gone down this uh, tremendous path. Uh, do you remember the kind of the earliest days that uh, really that you, no, you knew that you wanted to make impact? Uh, was it in middle school or high school or elementary school that uh, that you really knew that uh, uh, you wanted to be a part of something much bigger and make a much bigger impact? Because a lot of people go through life. And they just focus on what's in front of them. Uh, but it sounds like at an early age that, uh, you, that you've known that you wanted to make an impact. I remember the first time that I knew that I wanted to make an impact was when I began uh, walking around door to door, probably, I don't know, somewhere between fourth and seventh grade uh, with a petition to try to save whales and dolphins. And I'd never done anything like that before, but I, you know, my goal was to get people to sign a petition and then send it off to, you know, to our representative, you know, uh, so that was, that was the first time that I knew that I wanted to do something that impacted society. And that, uh, if you could share with the audience too, uh, it sounded like there's an element of nature there too as well. Was there an influence in your life, a teacher or a parent that, that helped kind of, uh, you know, arouse that curiosity in you with regards to, you know, being able to help uh, animals and beings? Do you remember a specific person or there, maybe there's multiple people that really have contributed uh, to igniting, you know, that within inside of you? Not really. Um, no, I don't, uh, it, it was, I mean, there was a connection to nature, I suppose, but no, th- there really wasn't. I, I just, some, I, and I don't, I don't remember in that case why, you know, why I even got impassioned by that idea. I just knew when I learned about whales and dolphins, uh, in, you know, and, and what was happening to them, I knew I needed to do, to do something. I knew that even though I, you know, it was I grew up in Minneapolis, so no whales or dolphins anywhere close. Yeah. I'd never seen one. I just read about them, and I knew that I was connected to them in some way. 
Yeah, fantastic. Um, and so who are some of the, the other kind of strong influences uh, that you had as part of, uh, it sounds like you know, living, uh, you weren't close to the water at this stage, and maybe that was a, a curiosity at the time, a uh, passion for you at the time. Who are some of the other kind of strong influences that you had early on that kind of helped uh, help shape and or, or guide uh, the person that you've become today? Wow. Um, I can't really think of any. I, I mean, I, I love my grandfather. He was a role model for me in sort of running business. I feel like I d- didn't actually have role models in some ways, and I needed to do sort of what I did. I needed to develop a lot of that just internally. Right. Uh, it's in developing that strength. Um, and can you share with the audience too, uh, just uh, whatever you feel comfortable with, but in terms of uh, kind of adversity that you faced uh, just early on that really kind of helped build strength and resilience inside you. Uh, it might be an appointment, uh, a period of time or it was just, you know, you talked about uh, you didn't have those, those kind of those the, the big uh, strong role models uh, necessarily, but I'm sure you had some role models. But what are some of the experiences that you had that kind of helped uh, build that strength, that grit uh, with inside you that really to, to pursue what uh, ultimately you wanted to pursue? <laughs> These are really interesting questions. Um, so... You know, I came into a family system that where I was bullied, uh, unsupported, where there was a lot of pretense and where like I knew on on a spiritual level, I didn't know it necessarily at the time. I know it now where I actually felt like I didn't fit, fit in and that being different from that, I would get actually punished for it. So it was a navigation until I had, you know, sort of an awakening experience of like, how do I navigate trying to make impact and doing things my way? And at the same time, trying to fit into a family system uh, where I felt very unsupported if I stepped out of a, uh, out of a boundary and, and also in a community that where it was, it was the same. Yeah. Thank you tremendously for, for sharing that. It sounds like, um, you know, over, you know, this, you know, you kind of your had your, your personal interests, personal passions that didn't always necessarily, uh, mesh, one to one with, uh, kind of the, the family structure or system that was in place. Um, and imagine through that, uh, you, you learned a tremendous about yourself and also just, uh, finding ways to express yourself. Uh, can you tell me more about, um, as you went through, uh, you know, as you kind of come to this new state where you really had this awakening, kind of some of the things today uh, where you get into pinnacle states or flow states, uh, what you might call it experiencing flow as part of this evolution that you've really come into to your own, so to speak. Well, John, one of the great things about my work is I get to try a lot of different things. Um, as I've, you know, look at hundreds of companies over the last nine years in the space of you know, sort of consciousness, spirituality, mindfulness. And so I, I would say they're different, you know, sort of different experiences and different things that I've tried. And, uh, there's, you know, there's not one that I would say that I is, is more than anything else, except maybe I would go back to nature. Um, when I am in nature, I feel, you know, I feel deeply connected and inspired, uh, and in awe. And so while I've used a bunch of different technologies or plants or 
um, apps or whatever that are all interesting to me, I'd say, you know, nature is, um, is the one consistent, uh, technology, if you want to say, you know, throughout my life where I, where I feel that inspiration. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing. I just love the way uh, you described uh, nature as, you know, there is a technology to it and uh, uh, we might not recognize it the way that uh, we see technology always portrayed on media, but uh, it's just fascinating the way that you described that. Um, in terms of that, uh, that experience when you're in nature, it might be with technology or not, uh, can you kind of, uh, sometimes it's hard to put into words, uh, but if you could share with the audience kind of uh, when you're in these moments, uh, whether it's nature or not, uh, wherever it is, but how, you know, in terms of your breathing or in terms of uh, your clarity, uh, just that, that sense of freedom, can you kind of share with the audience uh, what you experience when you're in these, uh, these amazing states? You know, it's different for me. So there have been times in nature where I just like am in such awe and I can be in awe of everything from the stars to the mountains to a sunset to a small bird. I grew up, you know, my family was bird watchers. I just, you know, I love birds. I love um, that. But okay, so 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 I'm going to go back to whales and dolphins for a second. The one, probably the most remarkable experience I've ever had in nature or, or one of my top five was I was in the Dominican Republic going on a trip where we were, uh, you know, it was with the humpback whales and, uh, we were swimming, we got off, we were with an animal communicator, uh, who was leading the trip and, um, we got out because there was a whale that was uh, that was singing. So we got out of the boat and we swam, and we were maybe thirty yards. It was on the bot, you know. It was it was maybe thirty yards down, and as I approached, uh, and I heard this whale sing, and I could see it, and I could feel it in my heart, and I, you know, I began weeping in the water because the sound that it was making and the connection it was making to my heart through the water was something that was just, uh, it really, I can't describe it. It was so powerful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. And and thank you for sharing that. I can only imagine that such a, uh, you know, such an enormous uh, size uh, animal and uh, just having that experience uh, first and foremost, but you're so close to it. And to actually feel the the energy, the vibrations, or uh, you know the sound that this animal and connecting directly to. Thank you tremendously for for sharing that story. Uh, is there anything else that you'd want to just share about that experience of kind of uh, how you felt afterwards? Because uh, going through it in its own right, uh, incredibly uh, touching, emotional, probably a, a sense of just feeling the animal's strength too as well. Uh, but just kind of how you felt afterwards, uh, as you recall. I, I don't know if I. It wasn't the animal's power. It wasn't the animal's. It was the beauty of the voice, but it was the power of the love that was transmitted through the vibration mm. that even as I just sit and think about it today and and really, really, I, I would say that, that, that how I felt it impacted was actually in my heart center. Obviously, I can feel it. I can hear it, whatever, you know, through my ears, but it was how it um the love that was transmitted, you know, sort of directly into my heart, the part, the aspect of it that was, uh, 
that was indescribable. So how I feel about it afterwards was this sense, an increased sense that the universe in many forms, you know, provides love is, and, and, you know, nature can, I can, I can connect to love through the beauty of a sunset or the way that the light is reflecting off of a mountain or, you know, I had a, I had a horse experience a couple of weeks ago, again, connecting to the heart. It's just th- how, if you get in that state, just the profound sense of love that is maybe in just all things, but in this, you know, and this was just communicated by, uh, by a whale singing. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for, so much for sharing. And it's, uh, uh, it sounds absolutely remarkable to, to experience. Uh, just shifting gears just a little bit, uh, what are some of the small things that you do to maintain happiness or, or well-being in your, your personal life? Uh, life has its ups and downs, and uh, perhaps it might be the way that you start your day or you know, a, you know, a walk that you take during your day or a cup of coffee or way you finish off your day. Can you share with the audience some of the, things that, uh, some of the small things that you do to maintain happiness or well-being? Well, the relationship that I have or the sacred union that I have with my wife is one thing that, you know, is a, just the connection that we have uh, is something that provides a lot of joy and opportunity for growth and opportunity for communion and connection. For me, one of the most joyful things is actually playing hockey uh, mm. I love playing hockey and, you know, it's one of the, it's really the only thing about being in this COVID situation that's so, that's so different for me is I can't, is I can't play hockey. So I, I miss that. So when I had my sort of awakening experience 15 years ago, I sort of found this musical voice. Uh, I began writing songs. I began, you know, I played the guitar. I was, I found a singing voice I didn't know I had. I produced two albums and then I started this work. Uh, investing in the space of, you know, that I was talking about before. And, you know, that became my music in the world. Uh, So I actually put the guitar down for, I don't know, for maybe eight or nine years. Um, But I started playing again. And that is just, you know, that's another place where I can, you know, sometimes get into the flow state. Uh, I use one of our apps uh, called Insight Timer. I use it every day. I use it in different ways, but that's a practice that helps me you know, that helps me connect. And then again, you know, we live in the mountains of Park City, Utah, or outside of there. So every day I'm watching incredible sunrises, watching the mountains, uh, inspired. I love taking photographs uh, of nature. You know, that's sort of another outlet that, that allows me to express myself and to be creative. Can you show with the audience a little bit more about uh, Insight Timer uh, in case the... Uh, uh you know, they're familiar with it and they want to learn more or uh, even, even just uh, different ways that you're using it uh, uh, that uh, could enhance their, their current use of it. Okay. So Insight Timer, if you take all meditation apps in the United States combined, not as much meditation is done on all of them combined. It is done on Insight Timer every day. And, and we're investors in the company. Uh, it's an Australian-based company. It's a platform where 7,000 global spiritual teachers interact with 16 million people that have downloaded the app about 500,000 plus use it every day. You know, it's a global community. There are teachers teaching in their native tongues, 44 different languages so that it's not an app that's like translated for people. It is a community 
where you can find content that matches your own, you know, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you can find content that matches that. It's what I love about it is it's free. There are 45,000 free meditations that are available. They'll never, they'll never charge for that. There's also a free timer. There is a subscription, you know, that a certain number of people, you know, buy that helps to keep the platform growing. And 50% of that, it, that revenue is shared with their teacher community. So I would just say it's a platform of abundance where everyone that touches it gets something from it. Uh, and people who get on it, in, in my experience, they get very loyal to it because it really is about community, empowering teachers and, and, you know, it's the, uh, the largest conscious library that I know of on the planet. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Uh, just the, the, the scale of what you just talked about there uh, in terms of number of users and number of teachers. Uh, can you share with the, uh, if you go a little bit deeper in terms of some of the ways that you use it personally, uh, if that's okay with you, I'd love to, to find out a little bit more about how you use it uh, kind of on a, on a day-to-day basis or just share an example of how you used it in the past. That'd be helpful. Yeah. So some days I'll just turn on the timer. I'll set it for you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and I'll just be in silence, uh, with the, with the timer. And it, you know, there's intervals that I, every five minutes, it has a little bell. And so I'll just use it to be in silence. A lot of times I'll use it to, you know, to play music, which is a, you know, a way that I meditate. This morning I was on with a live event with a Canadian woman named Sarah Blondin. There were 6,700 people from around the world on a live event that they had on the platform with a meditation teacher. Uh, Sometimes I'll use it. My wife's actually Marine Pelton is a teacher on the platform. She Mm. just started, you know, like two or three months ago being a teacher on the platform. And uh, so sometimes I'll listen to her meditations. Uh, Sometimes I will, they have courses on the platform. So I've taken several courses and then I kind of go through every day. They have a, you know, on their homepage, they have sort of, you know, here's new meditations or new pieces of music or new talks. And, you know, I'll look for teachers that I like or teachers that, you know, a lot of, a lot of teachers I've introduced to the platform. Uh, so, uh, you know, I find friends on there sometimes. Uh, I will then, one of the things that I love to do after I meditate is they show you which of your friends you meditated with, which of the people that live near you that are on the platform oh, wow. uh, meditated with you, who, what people in your groups meditate with you, and then what people in the community meditate with you. And I love going to the community. You know, it gives you maybe, you know, 150 people. Sometimes there's 11,000 people on at the same time, but it'll, it'll give you a smattering of people. And I just love looking at where people are, you know, where on earth they're meditating at the same time that I am. Um, so I, I, I just enjoy that, you know, that thought that I'm not just meditating for myself, but I'm meditating with a, you know, with a global community, uh, and kind of, you know, all of us are building this, you know, this platform together. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that, that insight in terms of, uh, how you use it and how even just after you use it, how you uh, even feel even more connected to the individuals that are participating at the same point in time, you know, as we call time anyways. Uh, can you share a little bit more? Uh, you talked about investing. It's an incredibly uh, prominent, definitely an important part of your life, it sounds. Uh, kind of share uh, with the audience, too, some of the other areas that uh, you've really taken a, a keen interest in. And it sounds like for a lot of uh 
the stuff that you've invested in, you probably experienced it firsthand yourself uh, as part of that process. Uh, but if you can share with the audience just to a little bit as well, just more related to investing. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll just start talking about Bridge Builders Collaborative for a minute um, so that people can you know have an understanding of that. So there was a group of three guys who came together about nine or 10 years ago through the Mind and Life Institute. And they were curious as to whether or not the science around contemplative uh, practice or around mindfulness or, you know, mind training had gotten to a point where there might be anything to invest in to take the research findings and bring them to scale. Mm -hmm. And my wife uh, had been involved in the Mind and Life Institute and she brought me, you know, into that community. And through that community, they found me to answer the question, is there anything to invest in? This is at a time when most people didn't, you know, know what mindfulness was. And if they did, they kind of thought you might be crazy. And meditation was not, you know, what it is today. And so I began looking around to see if there was anything to invest in in that space. We now, you know, just brought on our ninth partner. We've made 15 investments in that space. I've looked at about a thousand companies. Wow. That, um, and about two years ago, my wise wife said to me, Charlie, you know, you've been in get, investing in the gateway drugs to higher levels of consciousness. And, and I can probably point to platforms that we've invested in where, you know, at least 100 million people are meditating that weren't meditating before. Uh, but she said, you know, you've been investing in the gateway drugs, to higher levels of consciousness, and it's time to go deeper. And then our partners, you know, came together and sort of said, look, we've invested in digital therapeutics and mindfulness apps, and they're going to scale and they're going through the FDA and they're going into insurance companies and, you know, Fortune 500 companies are using them. And so it doesn't need our money anymore. And how do we support, you know, deeper levels of connection, deeper levels of consciousness? So we spent really six months doing a strategic, you know, some strategic work. We announced our Go Deeper strategy last, you know, I don't know, last fall. And, you know, now we're looking at platforms that can help people, you know, to get even more deeply connected to themselves, maybe to the stories that they tell themselves that aren't, you know, that aren't benefiting them, maybe to the trauma that's preventing them from living, you know, their highest purpose. Maybe it's, you know, connecting to uh, plant medicine or psychedelics. Uh, how do we invest in social wellness uh, as a component to health and, you know, and how, how do we just look for deeper platforms so that we can help to um, really elevate humanity or uh, increase, you know, awareness or consciousness? Thank you so much uh, for providing that background. And uh, with, uh, it sounds like you recently added a, a company to, you know, the portfolio, so to speak, uh, has that been announced at this stage uh, or is it still in the works at this point in time? And is this uh, is this really the, the first kind of step into the, the kind of deeper level of investing? Uh, yeah, well, uh, it's funny because a couple things happened when we shifted our strategy. First of all, it was right about the time or, or close to when we invested in Insight Timer, which I would say, mm. you know, is a deeper than that and we were original investors in Headspace. Um, I think Insight Timer is a, is sort of a deeper model 
uh, of connection and consciousness. So that was one thing that happened. Then, you know, you, you mentioned a company, um, I mean, I can't, I can't believe how lucky I am. I get to invest in, we get to invest in a company called True Love. Uh, True wow. Love is a Canadian company. It's uh, a great name. It's a great name, T-R-U-L-U-V. So this is a company with an entrepreneur who's one of the most senior female gamers uh, in the world or, you know, gaming programmers. And her revolution is that our gaming has all been developed uh, in a male-dominated society uh, based on sort of the fight-or-flight response in the brain. And, you know, her innovation is that she wants to develop games that are based more on tend and befriend. And she launched something called Hashtag, uh, it's an app called Hashtag Self-Care. And, you know, it's basically an AI companion based on a very feminine approach of being in a, in a tend and befriend and not being in this, you know, constant state of fight or flight. They launched it, 2 million people downloaded it. Apple made it one of its, you know, um, app, you know, app of the year or app, you know, app of the month, or I can't, I can't remember exactly what the award was, but, but, you know, they were just, they were passionate about it. And so they promoted it and people just, you know, naturally they launched it for free. They didn't do any advertising around it and people just loved it. So we're, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping that we can be part of really a revolution to a more feminine style approach to gaming. And then a couple of our companies have naturally, uh, like one company, what used to be called Meet Mindful was a dating app for people interested in yoga, mindfulness, um, healthy living. And that was great. That was about relationships, but they actually pivoted to something that I think is deeper, which is called Fabric, F A B. RIQ. And this is really about uh, bringing intentionality to your most important relationships. Uh, and it's an app where you really get to define who at any given time is in your innermost circles and how do you want to consciously interact with those people so that, you know, so that you don't go six months uh, and say, oh, God, I haven't talked to you in a long time. You say, I actually want to talk to this person every two weeks or every three months or whatever you choose. Uh, and it helps you to know uh, whether, you know, whether or not it's been a long time uh, since you've talked to them and then, you know, helps to provide reminders uh, and helps you track, you know, those most important people. I just, uh, it's another app that I use all the time because it really helps me to create more authentic connection with the people that are most important to me. Yeah, such an amazing uh, story, and uh, just as part of your journey of really having, uh, you know, those early experiences where you're giving back, and uh, whether it's nature or an initiative, uh, really going through some challenging times in terms of uh, childhood, where you felt like you're just, you know, in terms of the current family system, and then finding an avenue now which you can you can really, that, that effort that you did, we, we talked about the, the dolphin story, which is kind of a microcosm. Now you can do it at scale where you're now impacting thousands, millions, hundreds of millions of lives right now, which is, it must feel absolutely amazing to, you know, have an extension of, of yourself. I would, I would think that would be the case. Did I, did I capture it accurately? Yeah. I mean, for me as an individual, 
when I'm in my passion, I'm creating, or I'm not creating, I'm co-creating uh, global movements. And this, you know, this uh, Bridge Builders is just, a, you know, the latest global movement that, you know, that I find myself associated with. And when I'm in that sweet spot and when I'm helping entrepreneurs and creating value and, you know, helping to brand and market and, you know, that that's really fun for me. So it's uh, it's very rewarding because because I because I love what I do and I get to use my natural gifts and talents to do it. And it's just sort of effortless. Wow. That's um, absolutely beautiful. Uh, you talked about uh, uh, co-creating global movements. Uh, do you want to share with the audience, too, some of the initiatives, the global movements that you've been involved in the past? Yeah. So in 1988, I met uh, this woman, Anne Bancroft. She was the first woman that ever had skied to the North Pole and the only woman who had skied to both the North and South Poles. And um, just this amazing uh, explorer. And she wanted to be the first woman to cross the continent of Antarctica. And when I heard, and, and she'd always done this in a nonprofit model and had like gone into debt and been raising, you know, you know, going to schools and kids would like hand her nickels and quarters. And I mean, it's just really, you know, it's, there was such passion about what she was doing, but she was financially unsuccessful or, you know, spent a lot of time paying off the debt. And so my solution as an entrepreneur was to form the first for-profit expedition company in U.S. history and to use uh, their 17, it's called the Bancroft Arneson Expedition. It was a 1,700-mile journey across Antarctica by two women, Anne Bancroft and Lee Arneson, a Norwegian and American. And, uh, you know, our team used their expedition as a metaphor to create, you know, a, a global movement for girls and women uh, mm. to empower them. We generated 2 billion media impressions for the expedition. It was covered, you know, major news. It was the only, <laughs> it was the only other thing CNN was covering when, uh, you know, when we had the presidential election with the hanging chads at Gore, you know, Gore v. Bush, you know, the, the good story, you know, when they were talking about that, um, was that they would they would interview the Ann and leave uh, on Antarctica, and we you know we developed a global school program. Three million kids, uh, you know, were part of this this global curriculum that we developed, and this was just all about empowering girls or women to look at their lives and say, if these two women can do this, then what what is it that I'm passionate about in my life? So that that was one, you know, another one. Um, yeah, that was, that's that's remark that's remarkable. So, thank you for sharing. <laughs> uh, another one, you know, in nineteen what nineteen eighty six, I was traveling around the world after college, doing sort of odd jobs in remote places, and I ended up uh, as a social worker in the slums of Kenya. And I learned very quickly that I wasn't very good at and didn't like being a social worker, but I was impassioned by trying to create change. And the way that I could think of to do that was to start a business. Uh, I started a business with another American and a Kenyan uh, to try to help people in the slums. Uh, 30 or 40 years later, the organization has now served, you know, three to five million people healthcare, had the first maternity wards uh, of any slum that I know of in Africa, the first ambulance uh, that I know of. They had some of the first doctors uh, or eye doctors and dentists, um, you know, have developed fiber 
five to seven centers in some of the most impoverished areas uh, outside of Nairobi. And, you know, I got involved. I was involved for nine years and then turned it over completely to the Kenyans because I figured that they could, you know, that they don't, they didn't need an American telling them what to do. They could figure it out on their own. And, you know, they've created a, a really, you know, a lot of healthcare opportunities for people that weren't in the slums before that. So that that's a couple of things that I've, other things that I've been involved with. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, uh, and these are, you know, just far-reaching areas too as well. And that, uh, uh, that you've been able to find ways to not only impact in, you know, one culture, you're actually found ways. And imagine now you can synthesize across what's worked in different regions and there'll be different uh, variations, uh, different tailoring. And now imagine with uh, uh, the knowledge that you brought, you're bringing across the, the nine investments too. Uh, you're synthesizing you know, the firsthand experience from around the world with investments, working with remarkable minds. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, you're, you're living very close and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're living very close to what, whatever you'd envisioned or whatever you had dreamed about initially as a child, probably, or as you're going through years. Is that safe to say? I guess, you know, just, just my, my energy always was around change and yeah. authentic leadership and innovation. And I would have never been able to imagine how that manifested uh, in, you know, in professional settings, because I would have had no context to be able to even think about that, uh, at the time, but over my life, just kind of at the right, you know, at the right time, uh, there have been these, you know, these opportunities that have, that have come before me to, you know, to use those gifts and to create change. And so I feel as though I am living, you know, to my purpose, I mean, I could, <laughs> I could have never dreamed, uh, you know, that it would turn out, you know, this way and I'd be able to do the kind of work that I'm doing today. Yeah, absolutely remarkable. Uh, Charlie, where can people find you? Uh, our webs. So my wife and I have a business called the Shifted Institute, which is where I do my work for bridge builders, but that's just shifted.com. So our business is about igniting consciousness, inspiring human potential and creating paradigm shifts. And then Bridge Builders Collaborative is just bbcollaborative.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Charlie Hartwell, and I I post uh, you know I post medium blogs you know about different things that I see uh, in in the world that where we invest, and that's just you know Charlie Hartwell at Medium. And Charlie, uh, do you have any um, parting words for the audience in terms of that living on purpose? Because you know, a lot of people go through life living almost for other people's purposes and never finding their, their own true path. Uh, do you have any kind of parting words for the audience really about connecting to that, that whatever it is inside of you that allows you to actually pursue your purpose? Love to hear it. Well, there's two things um, that I would say, first of all, to that thing, you know, and, and I, I spent a lot of my years living to please other people. And in my family system, that was like the only way that I could survive was trying to please other people. And trying to, uh, so, so doing the work, you know, to understand that I wasn't living to my purpose and that I was living to please other people and that it wasn't actually serving me at all. And actually it wasn't serving them either. Um, so that, that was work that I did and it wasn't easy work. Uh, I needed help, you know, to kind of get, you know, to, to do that work. 
Um, but that really freed me to make different choices. So, you know, I, I understand that a lot of your listeners uh, are entrepreneurs uh, or people, you know, who are in passion to create. Um, and what I, what, what I find as an investor is when I, when I connect with someone who like really is in their sweet spot of they know why they're here. They know the difference that they, you know, that they want to make. Um, they know their purpose. They're, they're fun to support. From my perspective, they're much more investable. They're authentic, you know, they're, they're authentic. And when you connect to that purpose and really do the work to get rid of anything that is keeping you from doing that, I just think you're going to be more happy and fulfilled in whatever it is that you do. And, you know, you get to then define what that is. Charlie, thank you for your investments, your global movements, your speaking engagements, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you're taking to invest in your life. And if you gain something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.